Hi, this is Jay Bear of Convince and Convert Consulting, and welcome to the new Content Experience Show. Content Experience is the new content marketing. It's not only about reaching audiences where they are, but engaging them with personalized, useful content that matters. On the Content Experience Show, we share strategies, tips, and real-world examples of how leaders are taking their content marketing to the next level. Now, here's your hosts, Randy Frisch from Uberflip and Anna Harak from Convince and Convert Consulting. everybody. Welcome to the Content Experience Show podcast. This is Anna Harak from Convince and Convert. Now, Randy Frisch isn't going to be joining us today, but that's okay because we have an amazing guest. We have the wonderful Kathy Clotes guest. Now, Kathy is a keynote speaker, storytelling plus creativity strategist, improv comedian, and author of Stop Boring Me, How to Create Kick-Ass Marketing Content Products and Ideas Through the Power of Improv. Now, today on the show, Kathy and I dig into a lot of storytelling. Now, storytelling is one of those things that it's a pretty hot topic buzzword. Uh, Everybody seems to be talking about it nowadays. We know that it's really important and we need to be doing it. But Kathy actually breaks down what storytelling means to organizations and where they can get a start on telling not just their story, but the multiple stories that go into organizations. So it's a great episode. You're going to love it. And instead of me telling you all about what she talked about, let's just go ahead and bring her in and hear from herself. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm I'm really excited to talk to you because one, you came so highly recommended um, from um, my colleague Lauren Teague at Convince and Convert. Um, we had a kind of gush session over you about how great you are. Um, but then two, you are talking about one of my favorite subjects today. But before we get into that, would you mind telling everybody a little bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, I consider myself kind of an ex-marketer or, or sort of a, you know, because most of the work that I do is marketing, but it's creativity, it's improv, it's taking all the tools in my toolbox, all of my background. And it really is working with teams and companies to help them understand what creativity and storytelling leadership looks like. And it means more than just telling stories in marketing? How do we create a culture that understands storytelling so that everybody is headed the same direction and you're using the stories that your your employees are telling, you're using the stories your customers are telling, and you're using stories for innovation and creativity as well. So I think it's really the way we think about stories is even my own thinking about it has has evolved from where I started. So so that's a little bit in in a nutshell. I love it. And so one of the things I love speaking of your story is that you started off in corporate marketing mm-hmm. and, and what happened? You kind of like woke up one day and we're just sort of like, I think I want to do this other thing. What about like that sort of narrative arc to this podcast? <laughs> you know, it really is. I, you know, it's, it's a little anticlimactic. I wish I, you know, cause I, I think, you know, I, I had these parallel lives and I, they were, they were sort of, you know, similar trajectories and I was working in marketing and eventually sort of ran marketing and, you know, by day I was finding stories and training executives and doing media training and pitching and, and all that stuff. And then um, I was, you know, uh, five to six nights a week, I was, I was hitting stages and doing comedy and improv. And I had done that for, you know, I've done it now for over two decades. And I, I had these parallel lives going. And what I realized was all the work I was doing on a stage was making my marketing better. Mm. And it, 
I was bringing in concepts that I learned that I thought we should all be doing this. We should all be doing it because why is it when we go to see a stage play or work or improv or comedy show, we're at the edge of our seats and we're laughing and we're engaged and we have this huge range of emotions, but then we, we go back into corporate life and we write, you know, like, you know, <laughs> like, oh, no. yeah. an officer that's like, dear Helen, the war has been so hard <laughs> on me. <laughs> it's like, why do we, why do we write so formally and why do we write so boring? And why do we write like right. we're not human beings? And we have these two lives. And for me, it was just a process of over time realizing that this whole other world could inform and elevate the work that I was doing in marketing. I love it. So you, okay. So now you spend your days. So after the corporate marketing gig, you now spend your days. I'm teaching everybody how to tell stories and storytelling. And one of the things that you had mentioned was, um, you know, employee stories and the different stories that are there within organizations. And I love that you mentioned multiple stories because so often today, when we do talk about storytelling as, as a, a content community, as a marketing community, we talk about sort of like one story, which is the brand story, but you alluded to multiple different stories. And I love that. Help, un help unpack that. Cause it sounds like, um, we are very focused on one thing when there's multiple different stories. Yeah. I, I, I love that. Cause I agreed. It's such a, I think it's a myth and I think it's a disservice. I think it's hard. If you say our brand story is X and everybody's trying to constantly come up with new ideas for X. And that's important. There's no doubt that that's important. Right. If we ignore these other stories, which are bottoms up, there's top down, then there's bottoms up, which is the employee experience with X. Maybe the way that th that story translates for them and what it means to them and their world is slightly different. And are we letting them tell their stories or their interpretation of that? Are we telling customer stories? Are we telling customers customer stories? One, one step removed in the value chain. Are we telling the story about reinvention? Are we telling stories of, of rebirth or, hey, maybe a product failure? Maybe we released a product and it didn't do well. And maybe we have to tell the story to the market of what we learned from that failure. I don't think we tell stories of failure enough. Um, we're not glorifying the failure, but what did we learn from it that can serve our market better? How did it make us better leaders, better listeners? Um, I think there's so many transition stories or even the story of we don't know what we're going to do. Uh, we have to uh, pivot and we don't know the, the ending of the story. We're still writing the story with you. We had to pivot out of this market. It wasn't working. Now we're in this other thing and we're still writing the story with you and you are customers. We're taking your feedback to help us figure out the next steps. So there's the to be written story and we don't always have to have these perfect endings. So I think there's all kinds of stories that need to be told that I think we have to stop looking at the brand story as there's just one story that, you know, oh. <laughs> right, the shiny, the shiny like object on the hill. And it's like, there's so many of these other stories. Yes. And if we could, actually, I think that's liberating because if we can start to say that, wow, there's these other stories, it opens up possibility. And yes. that's a thing, you know? Totally. Well, and, and, and to your point too, I mean, I think um, a couple of things that you mentioned that 100% in agreement with where I think we've all experienced this, where we are with a company or with a brand and there's this beautiful, immaculate story that's just veneer. And then, but then working there, you're like, uh, I don't experience that. That's not me. That's not internal. That's not how we operate. We have a totally different story. So it's hard for employees to be engaged in that story and be engaged in that company when there's that disconnect, when it's just that veneer. 
Um, but then also to your point about really allowing employees to embrace that story and then share it out as their own. Um, and then the other thing you mentioned, sorry, I'm all excited now because you just said so many wonderful things, um, is about, you know, there's this tendency for brands to say like, okay, this is our story. It's on paper. It's official. We're done. Yeah. But I mean, to your point, it's so refreshing when we see companies who come out and are like, you know what? We goofed. Uh, we screwed up. We heard your feedback. We're going to evolve and change. Like it's so, you're right, liberating to see companies continue to evolve. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think the thing we forget is that a, your story, the big company story, and there's many stories layered throughout the organization, that story is a living, breathing organism and it evolves. And so just because you put it on paper doesn't mean you can't go back. And it's right. like, now respect the paper, everybody bow to the paper. It's on paper. And it's like, no. <laughs> it's like, and it's like, we, we, if the story isn't working for people, then change the story. Right. It, it's got to serve the people, your customers, the employees. And when there is what we call story gaps, and we'll talk, I know more about this. That's one of the gaps I refer to is that when the employees are saying, that's not how we experience our brand story. Listen to the people who are telling you bottoms up. You have to have a reconciliation of top down and bottoms up storytelling. So it makes sense to the people whose job it is to advocate and to live it every day. And if they're saying, uh-uh, I'm sorry, but that is not our story, <laughs> right. I, would, I would worry. I would start to worry because they are the most important champions that have to live it. And, you know, if employees aren't happy, ain't nobody going to be happy. So right. we got we to gotta start there, you know? Yes, and it has to be believable. So for those listening, what would you say are some early indicators or just even some clear-cut signs just off the top of your head that maybe that brand story isn't quite what they think it is? Like any sort of like, gotcha, like look for these signs, these are telltale symptoms. You know, sometimes the symptoms are big, red flags, sometimes they're smaller things. I think anytime you have a disconnect internally, that is a big red flag. Like if employees are saying, we don't get it. And I've seen this happen a lot with um, acquisitions in Silicon Valley where I live, where a big brand will buy a smaller brand for the story, but then that big brand isn't part of the small story. And then the people who are getting acquired are like, you bought the story, but you are not, this is not, we are not the same. And that's a big red flag. And when customers are saying, no, that's not our problem. And you see this a lot where, you know, we solve for, you know, everybody is day to day, like health needs or whatever. And customers are like, no, that's not what we see you as. <laughs> There's just some big disconnects. And sometimes it's more subtle. Um, it can be when you run out of ideas um, on how to tell the story differently. You probably haven't delved deep enough and your story isn't expandable enough. And it probably um, sounds like everybody else's stories and that's a disservice. Um, and so there's, there's all these little kind of red flags because storytelling should have all these different facets. And if we're telling him, can you, and here's a good test. Here's a litmus test. If I were to go to my customer if I'm company X and I go to my customer and I say, all right, introduce me to one of your customers. And if two layers removed, I can see a ripple effect of the work that I had on my customer, that I changed something so profoundly for my customer that it changed the way that they served their customer. And if I can make a link in my story, two layers down the food chain, I know that that's real. Oh, I like that. 
And that's something we don't do enough of. Because if you're fundamentally changing and doing real work to your customer, your customer should be able to have some type of story about how it helped them then in turn pass that, pay that forward, that goodness down the food chain. And I don't think we hold ourselves to these storytelling litmus tests enough. We should. Because yeah. I'll be yeah. honest with you, I'm, I know you're done. I'm preaching to the choir here. I think I'm just done with these superficial um, high level stories of, I just want world peace. Right. Well, that's Miss, that's Miss America. <laughs> Who doesn't want world peace? That's not your story. That's, yeah. you know what? I would even argue Miss America has evolved beyond those traditional questions. I mean, some of the questions they get now, I'm like, I would have no clue how to answer that in a succinct way in like right. 30 seconds. Yes. Uh, Agreed. Um, I, you know what, this is so amazing. And those red flags, I think everybody can start to look for them and really run through that litmus test. Everybody go ahead and chew on some of those red flags and start to think about your brand stories, not just the one story, but the brand stories. Mm -hmm. We are going to take a super quick break to hear from our sponsors. But when we come back, we are going to hear more from Kathy about some um, storytelling gaps and um, some ways that you can get back on the right track and even add to your own toolbox. So everybody stick around. We will be right back. Hi, friends. This is Jay Bear from Convince and Convert, reminding you that this show, the Connect Show podcast, is brought to you by Uberflip, the number one content experience platform. Do you ever wonder how content experience affects your marketing results? Well, you can find out in the first ever content experience report, where Uberflip uncovers eight data science-backed insights to boost your content engagement and your conversions. It's a killer report, and you do not want to miss it. Get your free copy right now at uberflip.com slash connex show report. That's uberflip.com slash connex show report. And the show is also brought to you by our team at Convince and Convert Consulting. If you've got a terrific content marketing program, but you want to take it to the very next level, we can help. Convince and Convert works with the world's most iconic brands to increase the effectiveness of their content marketing, social media marketing, digital marketing, and word of mouth marketing. Find us at Convince and Convert. Do you want to know the proven content marketing formula big brands use to create content, but wish it was in a step-by-step -step course tailored to your small business needs? Do you also want to know exactly what content to make for whom and when to drive new sales and keep your existing customers? If so, visit contentmarketingclass.com to get started right now with an on-demand work at your own pace course brought to you by J bear and convince and convert again, visit contentmarketingclass.com today to accelerate your content marketing efforts and crush your sales goals. Hey everybody. Welcome back to the content experience show podcast. We are here with Kathy and we are talking about so much good storytelling information. Um, this is an exciting episode for me. If you all can't tell. Um, so Kathy, before the break, you had said something that piqued my curiosity, which is story gaps. Uh, let's talk about those first. What exactly are story gaps and why are they so critical for us to watch out for? Story gaps are something I think are easily overlooked, and I, I, I think we don't think about them. Uh, uh, you know, we talk a lot about gaps in, in all kinds of expectations, and storytelling, too, has gaps. And so, uh, but they can hurt the credibility of our story, because what good stories do is they close the, um, 
the expectations gap or bring everybody into alignment. But but it happens. I mean, you, you see story gaps with, you know, companies will talk about their story being one thing and customers are like, yeah, no. Um, I can, you know, a really quick example that comes to mind of this is, um, so I, I did some work for a tech company a few years ago and they were selling themselves as a SaaS a hosted solution to uh, Excel. And they were selling to uh, accounting and financial teams who spend three out of four weeks every month um, closing books from the prior month. So they are backward looking because that's how long it takes to do the accounting for the prior month. So right. imagine your team is spending, you know, three quarters of their time closing out historical uh, numbers versus being forward looking about how you can save money. So they were selling this selling this, you know, we, you know, Excel is too cumbersome, blah, blah, blah. And I said, you know, here's the problem. Your, your customers are saying Excel isn't broken. Excel is not broken. The real issue wasn't that Excel was broken. The real issue that people really had was time. Time was the big factor. But if you can go to a CFO and say, look, okay, Excel might not be broken, but what if we could save you 50%, reduce 50% of your time so that your team isn't just looking backwards, but now they can go through future contracts and save money and be forward looking. What would that do for your bottom line? So when you shifted away from Excel, that's a story gap. They were selling Excel's broken, Excel's broken, right. and telling the story, but the customer is saying, that's not my problem. And so if you're selling a solution to a problem your customer doesn't have, you have a story gap. That's a big, big fundamental thing. And, and employees have the same thing. I mean, we just talked about it. I can't tell you how many times I've talked to um, uh, employees that'll I'll come in to do, to do some work with a team and they'll be like, hey, what do you think of our company story? And I'll say, well, you know what? More importantly, what do you think? Because you're the employee. And they're like, I don't, I know what it says on paper, but that is not our experience with the brand. That is a huge gap. Or worse, I've experienced it where you ask everybody in the corporation, you might get different wording, but everybody should sort of have the same vision. Right. But if you sit down and you talk to every department outside of marketing, innovation, HR, whatever, um, engineering, if everyone's telling a different story, and I've seen this happen of who you are in the world, you have a story gap because not everybody understands your mission. And that's, that's a huge problem. But so these story gaps live everywhere. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, people, I wish people could see me cringing right now because yeah. yeah, it's no, it's, it's crazy. Um, and, and I love that example that you gave because they weren't, but technically they weren't wrong, right? Like they were, you know, selling a, a product that was different and it could provide yeah. solutions, but it was like the way that it was framed wasn't right for their audience mm -hmm. and the delivery of it wasn't tailored to meet their needs. And so neither party was wrong, but perception is reality. So That's exactly right. You can have a very solid story, but if the story doesn't frame the way that your customer says to, to themselves, here's my problem, and it doesn't fit into their worldview, it doesn't matter what your worldview is. Yeah. What you have to do is map to the customer's worldview about how they define their challenge. That's what matters. Yeah. And, and you know, it's just a little bit of tweaking, but that it can make all the difference. So you're right. It's not about being wrong as much as it is about bringing these worlds into alignment so right. that they see a solution with what you're offering. Yeah. 
That's gorgeous. Yeah. Who, so yeah. who out there today do you think is a really stellar example of a brand that's telling like this 360, you know, story and it's really three dimensional and there's multiple different stories. Like who are some examples people can look to, to say like, Oh, and like sort of have their light bulbs go off. I think when you can get yourself out of the big story, mm. you have something. And I'll say it again, because nobody cares to buy your stuff. It's, it's how are you helping free up and change the life of your customer? And I think Microsoft, one of the things that, you know, if I were going to say a big company today, I would never have said that a few years ago. But I think Microsoft has evolved to be a really compelling storyteller. And I would say IBM as well. And I'm, you know, I'm steep here in Silicon Valley, and I'm not particularly excited about tech. I came out of tech, but what I will say is, you know, Microsoft even has a micro site for stories. And what's so beautiful about it is that they are such a minor character, if mentioned in most of the stories. It's, it's all their customers and what they've been able to do, like model 3D, do 3D rendering of, of cancer cells in the fight for cancer. Oh, and by the way, at the very last you know, bullet. Oh, with Microsoft technology or whatever. Yeah. But putting that spotlight on all the cool, amazing things in the world and how they're reimagining the world through their customer's lens. And I think that's exactly the right way to do it is you're looking at the problem the way your customer defines it. So, and I wouldn't have said that five years ago. Yeah. but they've, they've come a long way. They have. Well, I think too, you, you know, often within, you know, sort of like the conference circuit and even just in, you know, like the, the content marketing sort of arena, you hear about those two companies specifically really investing in that storytelling and making yeah. those leaps. And, and first they had to recognize that their story wasn't maybe as compelling as it could be. And maybe they weren't positioning their things in the right light. And so I feel, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. They've really made some investments into that storytelling. And not even just financial. Not even financial. They actually are one of the few companies I know of that actually has a chief storytelling officer position. Yeah. They actually have a guy who is the chief storytelling officer. So I say get yourself a guy or a gal who is a chief <laughs> storytelling officer. And I love that they, they, they recognized it's um, so important to the work they do because, again, it's not just about the outbound stories to the market. Storytelling has everything to do with if we tell ourselves that the problem is X, then our innovation and our roadmap is to solve that problem. Stories are inputs into innovation. And Microsoft has recognized that stories change product roadmaps, they change marketing, they change the way employees engage. So to elevate it to such a status and actually have it recognized that they need somebody to sort of be that story kind of officer, I think is really remarkable. Yeah, absolutely. And that is actually something really remarkable and hopefully something that becomes a larger trend. Um, but until that becomes a larger trend, one of the things that you mentioned at the very beginning of our interview was that you had to pick up and acquire some new tools for your toolbox. And one of them was improv. Um, and, you know, really having to look outside of your existing skill set. What would you recommend? to those listening today to really help bolster their own storytelling abilities or their own ability to recognize when stories have gaps and things like that? How can they bolster their toolbox? I think it's really the more tools, tools outside of your marketing wheelhouse, the better. Um, one of the things that improv did for me over multiple decades is um, really it honed my ability to see a story, to understand what it would look like to recognize it, how to shape a story, 
how to bring emotion and emotional resonance into a story, which I think sometimes companies don't do a good job, but on the stage we do. And I learned how to create emotional resonance. So I would say, get out of the office, read stuff outside of marketing, like take your business list and throw it away. (laughs) (laughs) Or at least don't rip it up completely, but add to it, augment it, read Read things that you're interested in, read science, read art, read music, read whatever books or things outside of your immediate sort of area of application. Because I think what it will do is part of what story um, innovation is, is taking ideas that you might not think go together, but you can be inspired by music or by the environment or by, you know, whatever's happening in sports and go, oh my gosh, you know what? There's an element of that storytelling that we can use over here in our corporate world. And the more you expose yourself to these different storytelling types and see the way other people are doing such a great job, inspiration lives everywhere. You can bring it into the corporate space. So the way you're going to see what's out there and be inspired is to expand, I think, your, you know, your content and your worldview and what you're consuming. I love it. Yes, there's... Something funny that happens when marketers get into a room and we forget what it was ever like to be a consumer and be on the receiving end of those stories. So agree, getting back in touch with our consumer side and uh, just being a whole person. Um, Kathy, thank you so much for being on today. This was amazing. Thank you so much for coming on and talking about storytelling. Um, For those who want to connect with you, where is the best way to do so? Sure. You can visit me at keepingithuman.com my website. You can also link in with me. I'm at Kathy Clotes Guest and also Twitter, Kathy Clotes Guest. So conveniently enough, no hyphen in there. <laughs> hey, awesome. So you must have been like early in, in the days of, of securing your uh, URL or your uh, handle because I feel like everything, no matter what it is, is gone. I think it kind of is. I yeah. And hyphens are just, you know, yeah, they're yeah. just, yeah. People don't, don't work on Twitter. They don't work. No, no. Perfect. All right. Well, everybody go follow Kathy right now and uh, check out her website, check out her book. And then we will be right back. Now that we've gotten to know the professional side of Kathy, we are going to get to know the personal side with a fun question. So everybody stick around and we will be right back. Hey everyone. I wanted to take just a few seconds today to talk to you about Emma. Emma is an email marketing platform that helps you connect with your audience and grow lasting relationships. They're awesome. They offer really intuitive tools to build and automate emails with powerful segmentation and reporting too. And the big difference is they're focused on you. Between their award-winning support and their pro services team, they make sure every customer has success with their email marketing. Seriously, they are amazing. You can learn more and request a demo today at myemma.com slash J is awesome. Again, that's myemma.com slash J is awesome. Hey, everybody. We are back with Kathy and we have a fun question for Kathy. All right. So Kathy, are you ready to put those improv skills to test? Yes. Perfect. (laughs) All right. So if you were to write a different book, obviously uh, not a business book, what genre would it be? And what would the narrative arc be? 
Ooh, I would love to do just a life skills book and I'd love to have it be animated like a, or like a, like a cartoon or like a comic book kind of thing. Ooh. Like a comic book. Yes. I think would be cool. And I, th- I would love to sort of like have these archetypes as heroes and villains, like, you know, the, the corporate villain, everything would be anthropomorphized and it's sort of how we can sort of deal with life's little things that life throws at us it, with a much more of an improvisational attitude. But I would sort of, you know, I'd want to make sure there were like, you know, stock characters and everybody would be like a superhero or a villain and it would be drawn. That sounds amazing. It's almost <laughs> like, um, like, the first thing, like the first thing that popped into my head was almost like, like Dilbert for like real, real, real life. Like how Dilbert is like an exaggeration of life, but this is actually like the helpful side of that. Like where you're like, Oh, I can totally see myself in that. Um, so where is the Amazon presale link and how can I sign up? Because I would totally buy that book. Um, right away. Yes. I got to work on it. I got to work on it. But it would be satirical too. It'd be like yeah. very, very comical, very over the top. Yeah, exactly. It'd sort of be like maybe the cartoon version of Dilbert, but heightened. Yes. And, like, uh, I, and I'd want to make our, I'd want to make our hero, maybe a heroine. I want, I'd want to have a female version for the, you know, for us to, to kind of see ourselves in it. And I, yeah, just everything heightened. It's like everything yeah. that bugs us about sort of the corporate world on, on this heightened kind of satirical view because you know I think about some of the work that we do as marketers and we're always told like for example go go innovate go do go do this we're we're we're, we're, we're risky we take risks and then you talk to the team and they're like we don't even know how much permission like what does that mean right. like what can't they? and there and there's a gap there's a gap where um and managers, my experience, are over-optimistic. They're like, oh, no, we create a great environment for everybody to thrive here. And then you talk right. to the team, and they're like, no, no, no. Right. <laughs> and, you know, and yeah. then we have to have a satirical kind of, like, comic book about this. Yeah. No, I agree. I think it's perfect. I feel like one one comic strip panel would have to be, like, you know, almost like a flashback to, like, cave times where it's, like, go re- go create the wheel. And then <laughs> at the very end, it's, like no, make it look like this. And it's like a wheel. Like it's just what they had in their head the whole time, but the person doing it didn't trans, you know, exactly. Classic, like go do what's in my brain, but I'm not going to tell you how to do it. Oh, all, all of it. It it would be all of that. And like the, uh, go innovate, get me 20% on the bottom line. Don't break anything. Don't, you know, (laughs) don't screw up. Now go have fun. Go innovate. And we're like, love it. it. All right. Well, I hope that actually really does come true now because I would totally buy that. Um, but in the meantime, we will just have to settle for um, your other books and of uh, your other book. And then of course um, your tweets and all of your other updates. Um, mm-hmm. So Kathy, thank you once again for coming on. Really appreciate having you here um, for everybody else um, who listens to the show. We will be back next week with Randy Frisch joining me again. Um, but do us a favor. We'd love to hear what you think about our podcast. So uh, wherever you listen to this, um, uh, Stitcher, Apple, um, Google, wherever you listen to this, please leave us a review, leave us a message, uh, let us know what you think and what you'd like to hear next. Until next time, this is Anna Harak from Convince and Convert. We'll talk to you soon. This is Jay Bear, and thanks for listening to the Content Experience Show. Please leave a review and subscribe on iTunes or on your favorite podcast listening app. Go to contentexperienceshow.com for a complete show archive and greatest hits. That's contentexperienceshow.com. 
The content experience show is sponsored by Convince and Convert Consulting and by Uberflip. It's produced by my team and I at Convince and Convert. If you're interested in being a guest or a sponsor on the show, just go to convinceandconvert.com.